Good morning. Good to see everybody. We had a wonderful weekend this past weekend and a lot of enthusiasm, energy, and people who came forward to say, I'm serious about my relationship with God in some form or fashion, some coming to Christ, some seeking to uh, make that decision, walk with Christ, renewed, and I'm just grateful for that. Uh, this morning, I want to continue on in this series of messages in the book of Ecclesiastes, titled this series of messages, The Search, as there is a search for what life is about. And this morning, we're going to look at a contrast of two views from Solomon, and I've entitled the message, It's All in the View. So turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And our text is going to be Ecclesiastes 3, verses 12 through the end of the chapter, verse 22. So I'm going to ask when you find that, if you're able to stand in God's honor. As I read aloud. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all this toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that men will revere Him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun in the place of judgment. Wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. I also thought, as for men, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward, and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work, because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Let's pray. Master, as we come before you this morning, we need to hear from you, Lord. We are all very needy. We're not near as tough as we profess to be. Um, We play our little games. We walk around with our little faces. But Lord, you know our hearts. And uh, Father, I pray this morning as we look at uh, this word from uh, Solomon, uh, this word from a guy who had it all, seen it all, done it all, but missed Missed you and much much of it. Pray, Lord, that you uh, get a hold of our hearts, that we might look at the contrast of views and that we might seek you, God, above all. Speak to us, Lord. Help us see you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
I remember uh, when I was a kid, I had this friend that uh, had a, um, a maid who, this lady believed that man never did land on the moon or walk on the moon. She thought it was all staged. I remember getting in an argument with this lady. I was about 10. Yeah, I walked on the moon. said, uh, don't you, haven't you seen those old clips where the guy gets out and he goes, he says, uh, one small step for man, one great leap for mankind. It really happened. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting as you study that. One of those guys, Buzz Aldridge, when he came back, he had a nervous breakdown. You see, he had a goal. He wanted to be able to go to the moon. He, 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 he wanted to take that trip. And when he achieved that, when he was able to see that view, <laughs> that view from above, looking at the earth, things were never the same. And he went through a time of depression according to what he remembered about that view. He said everything else just seemed so ordinary. Guy Solomon here, he's kind of like a spiritual astronaut. Occasionally he gets a view from above, but then he gets trapped in the lower view. And he loses sight and he becomes skeptical. And we're going to look at a contrast here this morning of two views. One is a skeptical view and one is a spiritual view. And uh, as we look at these, it's kind of like a type of wrestling match. In verses 12 and 14 of chapter 3 here, notice he says, I know, I know that everything, both places, I know that everything, both mentioning of God, there's a confidence in God. But then you go down a couple of verses lower, verses 16 through 18, he's got that lower view. He says, and I saw something. Then he says, I thought in my heart. And again, again, he says, I also thought. And so there's this battle that was going on inside of this man as he looked at the normal everyday activities and got stuck here below. But every once in a while, he would grasp the view from above like a spiritual astronaut who could see more clearly, who flying from above can see how things really are. And that's the challenge this morning as we look in the book of Ecclesiastes, to have a view that's above the ordinary, because in Christ we are more than just ordinary. Guys, we are extraordinary because of what Christ has done for us and what He wants to do in us. And so this morning, I want to begin as we look at this, uh, let's look first at some of the views of skepticism that we see in the text here. And I want to start here at verse 16 where Solomon basically says life is unfair. He says, And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. We've all seen where right doesn't always appear to come out on top. Sometimes it seems like those who are in the right get shafted. And that's painful. I thought about last night we had first meeting of the singles group. Came together last night for a fellowship here at Kingsway. And uh, as I thought about that this morning, I thought about uh, one of my favorite comics when I was a teenager. Remember um, J.J. Walker from Good Times? And I remember him saying one time, he said, I heard 
on the news that across the world there's like ten women to every man. And he said, you know what really makes me mad? There's some man out there walking around with 20 women. You know, I thought about that. Life's unfair. Sometimes we say, well, how could this happen to me? Or how, how is this allowed to happen? Or we look at the justice system and somebody wasn't read their rights or somebody got away with something that should have never happened because of a technicality. Uh, as I was studying for this message, I, remember the story of Little Red Riding Hood? Um, you know, in, in uh, one uh, type of story of this, I heard uh, Little Red Riding Hood was going through the forest, the wolf overheard, took a shortcut, got in Grandma's house, ate Grandma, put on her clothes, climbed in the bed, Little Red Riding Hood came over there, yeah, she was looking at Grandma, and things certainly didn't look right. She said, oh, my Grandma, what big legs you got. She says, oh, dear, that's so I can run fast. She says, oh, my Grandma, what big arms you got. She said, oh, that's so I can really hug you, dear, and hug you tight. She said, oh, my Grandma, what big eyes you got. She said, so that's so I can really see you, honey. She says, oh my dear, what big ears you got. That's so I can hear you. <laughs> no matter where you are, honey. She says, oh my grandma, what big teeth you got. <laughs> he said, that's so I can eat you, my dear. Anyway, in this version that I read, uh, Little Red Riding Hood, she runs out of the house screaming, looking for help. Woodcutter comes, comes with his axe, takes care of that old wolf, and kills him with his axe. But in this rewritten version, uh, which is politically correct, Here's what eventually happened. Uh, At the inquest, several facts emerged. The wolf had never been advised of his rights. Secondly, the woodcutter had made no warning swings before striking the final blow. (laughs) Third, the Civil Liberties Union stressed the point that although the act of eating grandma may have been in bad taste, the wolf was only doing his thing and thus didn't deserve the death penalty. Number four, the SDS, Students for a Democratic Society, a radical group from the 60s, contended that the killing of the grandmother should be considered self-defense since she was over 30 and therefore couldn't be taken seriously because the wolf was trying to make love, not war. Based on these considerations, it was decided there was no valid basis for charges against the wolf. Moreover, the woodcutter was indicted from unaggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Several nights later, the woodcutter's cottage was burned to the ground. One year from the date of the incident grandma's, her cottage was made a shrine for the wolf who had bled and died there. All the village officials spoke of the dedication, but it was Red Riding Hood who gave the most touching tribute. She said that while she had been selfishly grateful for the woodcutter's intervention, she realized in retrospect that he had overreacted. As she knelt and placed a wreath in honor of the brave wolf, there wasn't a dry eye in the whole forest. Man, sometimes things can get twisted. But praise be to God. You know, we, we, we see, don't see things clearly, but part of the joy of knowing that in Jesus Christ, one day things will be made right as they're supposed to be. One day things will be just. One day things will be made clear, and we shall see as we have been seen. For now we look through a glass darkly, then we shall fe- see face to face. Now we see in part, but then we shall see fully. And we'll know as we're fully known, guys. Next, uh, there's the idea that man's a highly developed animal. 
from Solomon's skeptical view. Look at verses 19 and 20. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust. And the dust all return. There are those who simply want to look at people as nothing more than just another animal. No difference between human beings and animals. And some carry this to radical extremes. And uh, I always think of, the, of Richard in his teaching. So many times I'd hear him say from the goo to the zoo to you, as we think about this idea of evolution and adapting. Hey, look, guys, if, evo- if evolution were really true, I don't think a mom would have just two hands. She'd need about 20, I think, watching the work of a mom trying to take care of kids and handle all the many jobs that are necessary to take care of a home. A skeptical view. And then the next people we'll look at is pessimism. Look at verse 21. It says, Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. This says life's uncertain. Solomon is talking about there's not a confidence. You can't be really secure in the fact of really knowing truth and knowing hope. And this type of skeptical attitude forgets to look around at the certainties that are obvious to us. I mean, just think about creation. Just a a few things of creation. When we think about the earth itself, and we think about the fact that you know, God set the earth up. He tilted it at just the right angle. Spins at just the right speed. And there's seasons uh, just at the right distance from the sun. Little flowers didn't just invent themselves and their intricacies. These delicate flowers were carefully created by God. Uh, the pancreas that we have has this great sugar thermostat so we all don't have diabetic comas. Uh, God just does a miraculous work. The kidneys are able to filter out impurities and poisons. Um, from our system, the heart beats for 70, 80 years, and when does it get a rest? In between beats? It's just amazing what God does and, and, and how He's blessed us, and, and we see Him all around us as we look at creation, the fact that language, we're able to speak and understand one another. And, and guys, it's just, just a sign of God that there is a confidence that we can see. And, and that at once death happens, there's more beyond death. There's life beyond death. Life beyond what we can really understand or comprehend. <laughs> Heard a great story of a, a stingy old lawyer that wanted to take as much money with him as he possibly could. And he tried to figure out how to accomplish that. Finally, uh, he decided as he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, what he would do. <laughs> he went to a bank he got two, two big bags, and he took out a bunch of money from the bank, filled them in these two big bags, and he decided he was going to place them in his attic above his bed. He got to a point to where he ended up bed fast, not able to go from that bed. He knew his days were limited. His plan was that when he died on the way up, he'd grab those bags of money and take them with him. 
Well, as time passed, he got sicker and sicker, and this guy died. And actually, through the process of being a caregiver, his wife forgot all about that. And it was a few weeks later, and she was doing some cleaning, and she went up in the attic, and she saw those bags of money. And she said, I can't believe him. I knew he should have put those bags in the basement. Headed the wrong direction. But the Bible makes it clear that death is more than just turning back to dust. That we do have a direct, head a direction either to God or away from Him for all of eternity. Guys, a spiritual view of blessing. We are all so blessed. We need, to, we need to consider how we're blessed. Some of you who are married that may be saying, Man, how did I get stuck with this marriage partner? This is terrible. Maybe you should be saying, Isn't it wonderful that God allowed somebody to be stuck with somebody like you? I mean, think about how blessed we are. Instead of looking for the worst, look at what you have. How, how blessed... We all truly are. Uh, a story I ran across as I was thinking about these blessings by Robert Shouse tells of a little boy talking to his friend. And his friend said, wouldn't you hate to wear glasses? And the little boy said, I wouldn't mind wearing glasses like my grandma. He says, what do you mean? He says, well, he says, my mother says she can always see when folks are tired or discouraged or sad. She sees when everybody's in need. And she can always recognize when you have something on your mind that you need to talk about. But best of all, she can always see something good in everybody. The little fella continued, I asked Grandma one day how it was she could see that way. She said it was because of the way she's learned to look at things since she's gotten older. So he said it has to be in those glasses she wears. What a great example. May God give us those kind of eyes. Eyes to see the blessings. They're out there instead of a pessimistic view. Alright guys, now I want to look at the other side of a spiritual life of blessing. Uh, in verse 14, life's a test and we should see God, relate to God. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere Him. The stuff that happened to us is really God's way of drawing us closer to Him. Sometimes we don't understand that. Sometimes we don't see it. But really, everything that happens to you is an opportunity to either move away from God or come closer to Him. That's the way it works, guys. No matter how bad it is, it is an opportunity to move closer to Him. And He wants to be as close to us as we're open to to allowing Him to. That's His heart. Uh, there's a guy I was trying to help the other day that, man, he just has the messiest apartment known to mankind, probably. Probably new diseases growing in there. And I was trying to find, help him find his dishes. Yeah, I mean, if you, to clean them in the sink, first you got to know where they are. So we went on the search to find his dishes. There were dishes in his bedroom. There were dishes in a box in the middle of the living room floor. There were dishes in the cabinet. Found one dish in the couch. But what really got me was when I opened his closet and there were dishes in the closet. And I said, man, what are you doing? I said, why don't you take these and put them in the sink so they can be clean? He said, it's too far away. 
We always get in trouble when we're not willing to deal with things in our life and go straight to God's cleansing power to let Him work and, and to clean our lives up so that we can walk in His power and His strength and avoid regrets and, and know His way. And as Solomon looks at this, there's understanding here that you've got to see life through the idea of the way God wants you to walk and the blessings He wants you to enjoy and to stay close to Him. Next one. Life has a record and we will give account. One day in history there will be a Supreme Court of one that will convene and the Bible says that we will all give an account on that day. Verse 15, whatever is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account. Listen, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. Guys, we can't fool God. And one important view of having a view from above is just understanding that you might as well be honest before God. Because He knows what we're really like. He knows the heart. And He says, be honest before me. Come clean. Receive my healing. Receive my forgiveness. Trust me with your life. I can make far more out of your life than you can. And it's so easy to lose sight of this view. And the call here from Solomon is gain that understanding. Understand that God wants to do something with your life. He wants to love you. He wants to, he wants to use you. <laughs> but, but you have to, you have to open your heart to do that. You have to be honest before Him. I read a story, uh, this is years ago, not long after the microscope was invented. And one guy had a lot of money. He, he saw one of these microscopes and he was fascinated. So he bought a microscope and he took it home and he had a great time with that microscope. Putting things under the microscope, inviting friends over to look at things under the microscope. Everything went well until he got the bright idea to take some of the food that they were preparing to eat and put it under the microscope. Man, he looked at that food on the slide and there were these bugs crawling around in it. He thought, ugh, Yuck! He said, man, I can't eat that. And his response to it was he decided to smash the microscope so he wouldn't have to look at those bugs anymore in his food. I'm afraid sometimes that's our response. When the Holy Spirit begins to speak and says, here's an area of your life that needs to come under God's work. You need to... You need to let me change your heart and your life. Instead, we say, God, leave me alone. Back away. I'm too busy with my own life. And we can miss Him. We can miss His influence through our lives, but if we've never trusted Him, we can miss eternity. Listen to this quote um, from H. Alford. The most dreadful torment of the lost... In fact, that which constitutes their state of torment will be this coming to themselves when it will be too late for repentance. You see, guys, there does come a time 
were the mercy and grace of God, it would be too late. There comes a time once we pass through this portal called death where it's too late. We need to do business with God now. Maybe there's someone here and over this past weekend God did business with you and you need to come forward here before the body of Christ and say, God cemented this decision in my heart. It's real and I want that view. I want a view that puts God first in my heart. However God's spoken to you, we're going to have a time we call invitation, time response. I'm just going to ask you to come according to His call. Let's pray. Master, uh, sometimes our vision is very narrow, very ordinary. Forgive us. Open my eyes, Jesus. Open the eyes of all here that we may see what You want us to see. Open our ears, Lord, that we may hear what You want us to hear. Open our hearts that we may receive what You want us to receive. Grab a hold of our feet that we may walk as You call us to walk to the front. Open our knees that we may pray at the altar as You lead God, we just want to be obedient to You this morning. And I just pray that You might be glorified and that we might respond to You this morning. Call us, Master. In Your name we pray. Amen.